Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Neighborhood Watch here. We are continuing on with our previews of the new schools joining the league in 2023. Justin Williams of The Athletic is here to preview the Cincinnati Bearcats. Uh, so, Justin, appreciate you being here. First things first, the Scott Satterfield choice. You know, this is a coach who has been around. He's coached both the um, FBS level, obviously, G5 and P5 level. And things at Louisville, I just I think was, you know, kind of time for a change for both parties involved. But for Cincinnati, you move on from Luke Fickle, who's obviously a transformative figure for the program. Uh, how was that change received? Because I think about like ins- inspiring hire. It's it's not what I would call the most inspiring hire in the world, but it is a guy who does have uh, you know some chops at a power five level, which is where Cincinnati is now headed. Yeah, I mean, I think if you're talking about Fickle's departure, like Look, I get it. Some fans are going to be disappointed when when a coach leaves, but like it, it is hard to uh, overstate the importance that that Luke Fickle had on the program. And it, you know, it's funny with some of the realignment and, and all the stuff that's going on. I actually think it's now become underrated how impressive it is that you know Cincinnati made the the you know college football playoff as a, as a group of five team. They'd been so good there for a couple of years, and there had kind of been this talk that like, oh, Cincinnati can do it. And you know, I think the fact that there was that hype. It actually now, like in retrospect, people don't appreciate enough how how impressive it was. Um, so yeah, look, Luke Fickle changed the the, the program for sure uh, for Cincinnati, and and uh, he's you know I think with the distance of time, he's going to be remembered really fondly um, for for Cincinnati fans from that, um, if not already. The Satterfield hire, I, I think part of it was there there weren't a ton of options. Like, you know, that was the, the, the Dion cycle, obviously Cincinnati was never in the Dion sweepstakes. Um, you know, I reported at the time, I think other than Satterfield, the two candidates who they were, you know, the, the most interested in or had talked the most with were Mo Linguist from Buffalo and then Sean Lewis, who was at Kent state. He's now Dion's OC over at Colorado. Uh, w- with Satterfield, he was someone they looked at uh, when they hired fickle back in, in 2016, 2017, and he had group or power five head coaching experience, which I think was really important with Cincinnati making this leap to the power five conference. There was some hesitancy, you know, I think on the administration to bring in someone who had never, you know, it's already going to be a big enough transition. You, if you have someone who's been at that power five level, they like that. So you're right. You know, Satterfield in four years at Louisville was up and down. I think he was one game over 500, you know, in that stretch, you can point to a couple of things. You can look back at his success at, 
Appalachian State, where he actually navigated the FCS to FBS transition really well. Uh, he obviously had a ton of success there. Uh, and, you know, you could say like Louisville's been a little bit turbulent, right, over the years. So maybe it was a change of scenery that that was needed. But I, I do understand some of the cautious optimism of you're bringing in a coach who didn't necessarily, you know, excite people uh, a ton at their last stop. Louisville fans have been very open that they were they felt like Cincinnati did them a favor but you know I also think Scott Satterfield has shown over the course of his career he knows how to coach he knows how to to have success and and I think early on here at Cincinnati with some of the hires he's made some of the you know holes he's had to plug in pretty short order with some of the roster transition I think there is uh, you know, reason for optimism and excitement. Maybe it won't show up on the field this year. I think Cincinnati's probably going to struggle going into the Big 12, but that might have happened anyways. Um, I think what Scott Satterfield has done is he hasn't, um, you know, given up the long-term view of, of what he wants this program to be just for a little short-term success. And so I think the rational uh, fan base understands they might have to take their lumps this, this season, um, but, but there might be some reason for optimism down the road with Satterfield. Yeah, the, and I want to go back to Luke Fickle point. The reason why I always appreciated that, and I, I, I've made this and I've shouted this mountaintops. Like they really had to, they had to put that thing together for two seasons to make the playoff, mm-hmm. right? Like they basically had to go like twenty three and one to get in, because the reason they got so much respect heading into that that second season where they actually made it was because uh, it was undefeated, right? In I guess it was twenty nineteen. 2020, so they it, went they went nine and one undefeated the regular season, then lost to Georgia. They, they lost to Georgia, and yeah. it was a really competitive game. And I mean, I, I remember a lot of Georgia's, you know, their good players were playing um, in that game, and like that was that was a game Cincinnati should have won. And so I remember, you know, it's just like they had to put all that work in to get the respect for the next season, then cash it in the next season. And so it's like, yeah, I think you're right about people. You know, people will look back and remember it. It's it's now a, a much different situation, obviously. Um, and as it as it looks for this group, I mean offensively they really are not there is not a whole lot there from last year right and mm-hmm. this is a pretty you know relatively successful team nine and four um last season this is not a group though that has got a whole lot of experience coming back really at any part of this offense no there, there's one returning starter gavin gerhardt who you know yeah. is gonna be the starting center uh, which is an important position but you know right that's nice to have yeah yeah we're, we're talking about one returning starter from last year uh new quarterback in emory jones who's you know kind of become one of these journeymen he's, he's on his third school uh from florida to arizona state to here they get some experience back at running back um but lose charles mcclellan who was kind of their their starter and leading rusher last year totally re- revamped wide receiver room they, they have there's literally one returning scholarship player who played wide receiver last year for for cincinnati so um you know th- that's completely overhauled so yeah the offense is it was going to look a lot different anyways because scott satterfield is an offensive coach he has his own system it's, it's going to be totally new in that way but it's also totally new in the sense that you know there's only one returning starter there's a new quarterback uh and a bunch of new you know incoming faces in terms of the transfer portal like the wide receiver room just looked awful in in spring um they added some pieces there they've added some since then the wide receiver room looks much better compared to that you know early on here in in fall camp so it's i don't think it's going to be the the catastrophe that it looked like it was going to be in spring that's an encouraging sign and you know i'm i'm interested to see what emory jones does over the course of the season he did not look good throwing the ball in spring practice and part of the appeal of emory jones i get it is the dual threat which you don't 
get to see in practice because he's, you know, defense can't hit him. But he was just inaccurate, did not look comfortable at all in spring. Maybe the lack of receivers had something to do with that. He's looked much better um, from what I've seen and from talking to people uh, in, in fall camp. And obviously, once the games start, I think they are going to use his legs and, and, and run him a lot. And that's a, a dimension that I think he can give give the offense. But, you know, offensively, this team is going to go as he goes. You know, if, if he can kind of tap into – he had some success in 21 at, at Florida. He threw too many interceptions, had too many turnovers, but he was able to run and throw the ball and, and have a little bit of success in the SEC. If he can tap back into that, if Scott Satterfield can tap back into that, then maybe this team can pull a couple upsets in the Big 12 and, and get a couple more wins than people expect. If Emory Jones gets banged up or struggles – then you know a team that is already going to be leaning on its defense i think is going to be in a really tough spot this season so the, the quarterback situation like is this just is, this, is it going to be emory jones because I, I know there was a lot of excitement uh around evan prater when he came in and i guess maybe just hasn't really worked out for him but like is there it, it it's he's the guy is is there any kind of competition any kind of you know idea or you know not competition but like the leash could be short i mean what's the kind of status of the, of the QB room. Yeah. So Evan Prater is going to play this season. Uh, he's going to play a wide receiver. <laughs> they moved okay, him yeah, over. Well, there you go. Yeah, they moved him there over to go. wide receiver. Uh, yeah, it didn't, it just didn't work out for, for Prater at, at quarterback. And to his credit, he stuck with the team. Um, and and I, I do think he's going to contribute at wide receiver and kind of a backup contributor role. So like I'll credit him on that. But yeah, he's, the he's athletic looking kid. I mean, like I remember, yeah. I remember watching him some. Yeah, you know. He he can scoot, he can move. Um he's still kind of learning the, you know, route tree and, you know, all that kind of stuff, but he's actually I think he talked the other day at, at practice actually. He's he's benefited from being a quarterback cuz he kind of has a pretty good understanding of what you want out of your receivers there. Uh in spring it was a competition between Emory Jones and Ben Bryant. Ben Bryant started mm. last year, got hurt at the end of the right. year, wasn't expecting to come back, ended up kind of having to be forced into it. And, you know, honestly, it just, you know, they didn't name a starter coming out of spring. And so Ben Bryant decided to go in the transfer portal. He went to Northwestern, which, you know, plenty going on there, but it seems like he's going to be the starter. <laughs> at Yeah. Um, and, and so, yeah, once he transferred coming out of spring, it pretty much was Emory Jones's job. You know, backing him up is Brady Lichtenberg, who's a red shirt freshman, I believe. Um and, you know, I, they, they like some things about him, but he, you know, he's certainly not going to get thrown in, um, you know, unless he has to for injury or something like that. And then, you know, behind him is a four star true freshman, Brady Drogosh. They love him long term. Like they feel like he's their quarterback of the future. But again, not not quite ready yet. So, yeah, it's, it's Emory Jones's job. And, you know, honestly, there's there's not a lot of experience behind him so that, you know, they need him to stay healthy. They better hope he stays healthy. But uh, whether he struggles or, um, you know, comes out and turns the ball over some, like I think the leash is long because there's just not really any experience behind him uh, at this point with, with Prater switching over to receiver and Ben Bryant in the transfer portal. Yeah. And then, uh, out of these guys in the offense, like uh, also what do you expect to see offensively? Like what, what can people who have not watched Cincinnati? I mean, what, what's the change in offensive philosophy going to be for them this year? Yeah, so I I wrote a lot about this in spring uh, once, you know, they they made the hire to Scott Satterfield. You know, he kind of runs a – zone um running scheme inside zone outside zone uh you know the dual threat quarterback is a big thing emory jones is going to run a lot which is something they didn't do with him at arizona state which was weird because that's kind of like uh, you yes know, emory jones appeal but a lot of stuff was weird at arizona state 
So you're going to see a, you know, running game is going to be important for this team. The, the zone blocking scheme is going to be big. And then a lot of the passing game is, you know, based off of play action or, uh, you know, a, a lot of pre-snap movement and having guys come in motion and, and things like that. So it, it's going to be a lot different. You know, if you're familiar with Scott Satterfield, it's going to look like that. But for Cincinnati fans, it's going to look a lot different than it has in the past. Um, you know, Corey Kiner was an LSU transfer uh, after his freshman year. He's a Cincinnati kid, won Ohio Mr. Football a few years ago. I think him and Miles Montgomery are going to be your kind of two running backs that that uh, handle m- most of the load there. Again, they brought in some new wide receivers, D. Wiggins, uh, Braden Smith, or two Louisville transfers who followed uh, Scott Satterfield over. They're going to you know, probably be starters and factor heavily. heavily. Uh, Xavier Henderson was the leading receiver for Florida last year. He transferred in a guy who is familiar with Emory Jones. He's going to be a, a big outside target for them. So in terms of what it will look like again, when it's live, you know, I'm interested to see a lot of Cincinnati fans are interested to see because there are so many new faces. It's a new scheme. Um, but yeah, it, it's going to be very heavily zone running game, dual threat quarterback. Uh, and I think the hope will be you'll lean on a good defense, try and grind out some wins on the ground uh, and controlling the clock on offense. Yeah, so I guess defense is where we go next. That's going to be the strength of this team, right? And and they don't have I – mean, they, they got a nice – it looks like a nice number of guys returning, but, I mean, they they do have some some big names up front. Obviously, Corleone's the, the big one everybody talks about, but, uh, you know, you have Briggs and also having Malik Van back is, is or having him there now obviously too is, is pretty big. Um, so talk about that group, especially up front. Like, wh- what are we expecting? Yeah, I mean, the, the defense is going to have to be the strength of this team, and the defensive line is is going to be the strength of the defense. You mentioned, you know, Dante Corleone, preseason All American. He was a PFF darling last year. Uh, he's just mm-hmm. a rock in the middle. Uh, I think you know everything we're hearing. He's primed to have a big season. Juwan Briggs was an All AAC selection last year. You mentioned Malik Van, Eric Phillips, another guy. They have a lot of experience and depth on the defensive line, and. You know, Brian Brown, the defensive coordinator who came over with Satterfield from Louisville, he's all about aggression. Louisville led the, the country in sacks last year. He's big on blitzing and, you know, you know, being, bringing creative blitzes and pressures from different places. And so I think, you know, Daniel Greshik is a guy they brought in the transfer portal from Utah State who's going to be kind of like just outside linebacker, but pretty much pure edge rusher. Mm-hmm. They're going to, you know, they're going to rely on that that front group bringing, bringing heat on the quarterback. And, and taking some pressure off the guys behind them. And, and, you know, the good thing for Cincinnati is this group's definitely capable of that. Um, but behind them, Dorian Jones is a linebacker who, you know, again, came over from Louisville. He looks you know really energetic, you know, really aggressive, filling gaps. I think he could be a good player for them. Um, in the secondary, it's kind of a mix. They brought in a couple people, Jordan Young being the most notable, who I think is going to be one of their boundary corner. He's, he's another Florida transfer. Um, he, he, he will – get beat a few times because I think he's going to take some chances, but he's also a guy that could end up with a handful of picks and, you know, maybe even some big pick sixes because he's an aggressive player on that outside. And, and we've seen him look pretty good uh, at times, especially in spring and, and even this fall. So Deshaun Pace is another guy. He kind of got overshadowed last year by his older brother, Ivan Pace, uh, unanimous, unanimous all American, but he's in kind of this new star position, which is like a hybrid linebacker, uh, nickelback that really fits his skill set. He kind of seems re-energized by this coaching change. So they have pieces on defense, whether it's returning or, or, or guys that they added. Um, but you're right. This is going to be the strength of the defense. And if they can, you know, make plays and, and keep the offense in it again, I think there's a chance there for them to pull out a couple wins and, and maybe some upsets that people didn't expect. Um, but this, this team was really going to lean heavily on that side of the ball. So the schedule is pretty interesting this year. 
Uh, Eastern Kentucky to start off. Then they get the the CW game, Cincinnati on the CW kicking things off uh, there with Pitt on the road. That should be an interesting kind of regional, you know, uh, regional matchup there. And then you get Oklahoma at home. Uh, kind of we'll go to that first four games. I mean, look, you're probably thinking two and two out of uh, Miami of Ohio also in there too. You're probably thinking two and two out of that. But hey, maybe you can steal one at Pitt or you can knock off OU at home because we're not really sure what that team's going to look like and get to three and one. But I think because you get Miami of Ohio and Eastern Kentucky, you're hoping for a two and two out of that stretch, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I think what they would love is to be three and O going into that Oklahoma game. You know, if they can go right. on the road and kind of steal one at Pitt, that's going to be a tough game. I don't think Pitt's going to be quite as good as, as they were last year. Normally, that's an yeah. old, old big East matchup, uh, obviously between those two teams. And as you mentioned, you know, all the eyes of America are going to be switched on to CW to, to check out at, the inaugural five thirty central time for that game. Yeah. <laughs> that, that inaugural, uh, CW kickoff there. So yeah, I, I think in, you know, their dream scenario, they're three and O heading into Oklahoma, Look, that Oklahoma game is going to be tough. The It'll be very exciting. There, there's some reports that that could be the big noon kickoff game for that week. Oh, very it'll nice. Be the, the first uh, Big 12 game for Cincinnati. Sooners coming into Nippert Stadium. The crowd's going to be just you know bonkers Crazy. out of their mind to start the game. Now, if, if Oklahoma kind of puts it on them and, and it turns out to be a blowout, it might not be as exciting towards the end. But at least the atmosphere mm-hmm. leading up to it should, should be really good, especially if, if big noon is there. But yeah, you know, when I'm looking at the schedule, what I see is there's some winnable games there in the back half, Houston, yeah. Virginia, Kansas. My question is, I think this team's biggest struggle will be depth. And if they pick up some injuries, you know, if they're not healthy at the end of the year, which you know a lot of teams struggle with, will they have enough to, to, to win those games? Because you're, you know, you're looking, there's, there's a chance to win some games towards the end of the season, but you're going to have to have your top guys available and healthy, I think, to make that happen. Yeah, because that, that Oklahoma at BYU is trash. The good thing is, I look at those home games. Eastern Kentucky, Miami of Ohio, Oklahoma, that's going to be the tough one, obviously. Iowa State, though, is a – it's a disaster. It's a free fall right now, right? Right. And I don't know where Baylor's going to be at that point in time. I think they're going to be a little bit better. So that one's tough. They get UCF at home, which is you know an opponent they're not unaccustomed to. So I mm-hmm. think that's good news. And you're on the road at Kansas at the end of the year. But also those two road games, like, you know, basically – They've got a good chance, I think, to win four of their home games, four or five of those, of those home games that they have. And the road games, I mean, at BYU is going to be tough. Yeah, at Pitt should be, it should be challenging. I mean, but, like, at Houston, at West Virginia, I mean, I, we've got no clue where those, pro- those programs are going to be at that point in time. I do not expect Neil Brown to be coaching West Virginia when we hit, uh, we hit Saturday, November 18th. Uh, I just have a feeling on that one. And then Dana Holgerson, same thing might be, could, could be said about him the, the week prior, right? There's a chance that he might not be – coaching that group so i think when i consider those two factors those two schools and the you know i think you're i think you're right i think the one edge though that cincinnati might have is if everybody's banged up at that point in time and we're all, it's all late in the year because cincinnati's still kind of in that program building phase they there's a chance that houston and west Virginia have quit right like those rosters sure. might quit on coaches who are no longer there or whatever the situation is yeah, you, they might be going against some interim coaches. You're right in those situations, yeah. especially at, at West Virginia. Yeah, the the schedule definitely broke in Cincinnati's favor. They get all the three of their fellow newcomers, BYU, Houston, UCF, on the schedule. Um, they don't play Texas. They don't play TCU. They don't play Kansas State. They don't play Texas Tech. So you're talking what, like four of the five top teams in, in the Big 12 this year. So, yeah, if we're sitting at the end of the season and Cincinnati is – six and six or even like seven and five that will be a massive 
you know, regular season, uh, you know, record for Cincinnati. And I think you would point to, it means their defense was really good and healthy. Uh, It means Emory Jones, you know, played pretty well, but it also means they benefited from, you know, a schedule that was pretty advantageous. All right. So your, your prediction for this year for Cincinnati is what? Five and seven, six and seven. What's the over under win total? I actually did. I, I was not a good host and didn't check before this. I've, I've seen four and a half and five and a half. Um, four and a half, I feel much better about taking the over. Th- this feels yeah. like a team that will is five and seven to me. Now, if they yes. go six and six and six and makes a, make a bowl game, I think that's very successful year one for, for Scott Satterfield and, and this crew. Um, if they go four and will that be eight, then I think, you know, maybe a little bit of disappointment anything worse than that certainly a disappointment it feels like a five and seven team that again if some things break right for them maybe they're six and six and and go into a bowl game and and that would be a a definitely successful season in year one all right justin where can people find you and your work and all of its variety uh i am uh at williams underscore justin on the uh, on twitter or x whatever the hell we're calling it and uh you can obviously subscribe to the uh to the athletic uh bunch of big 12 coverage bunch of cincinnati coverage bunch of college football coverage in general over there awesome man we appreciate your time we'll talk to you as the season rolls on definitely appreciate you having me